This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. Hi, this is a series of specials on For All Mankind as we go behind the scenes. And this is the very first edition. We'll find out about some of the special effects and the challenges in making this series look believable as an alternate history in a moment. Welcome to a special edition of Behind the Curtain, a two-parter on For All Mankind. We talk to the people behind the scenes that work to make the series go, like costume designer Jill Owenson on the challenge of making this series. Well, first of all, um, I I had kind of two different teams working all the time. I had a, a civilian um period costume team working. And then I had a space and military um, team working. And what I basically um, did from the beginning is I talked with Ron about having different color palettes for the NASA world versus the world of the astronauts and their families, you know, out at the outpost and things like that. So we went with a cooler, more kind of clinical color palette, um, sleeker, for NASA, blues, grays, um, forest greens, things like that, a lot of black and gray. And then we went with a much warmer color palette for, for the astronauts and their families, um, all earth tones, you know, browns, yellows, oranges, lime greens. Um, and so that I felt like really separated the worlds and, and gave you um, the idea that NASA has its own kind of feeling to it. And and I felt like it worked pretty well. And I think Ron was pretty happy with it. Here's more with costume designer Jill Owenson with comments from Stephen McNutt, who is the cinematographer. We had a lovely, lovely um, astronaut tech. His name was Garrett Reisman. And he has been with us since the beginning and um, has done a lot of work over at SpaceX. And he really, really was very valuable with information about how things worked, what would work, what wouldn't work, um, and was really incredibly helpful for me as far as, you know, when I was creating uniforms for for the lunar base and for the different um, shuttle uh, missions that were happening. It was it was very helpful to be able to talk with him. So yeah, he's in the show we too. Also had- Yes, he yeah, is. he is. You're right. What was the episode that we that was was that one we were flying out of the moon after the Correct. after the solar storm and Molly was yep. going back to Earth yes. and uh, he was episode the two o two. Yes, sure. Yeah, he's, he's in the cockpit. Episode two, and you'll see him in the uh, shuttle, and he'll tell Cobb to sit down or something like that. He he just he's a a remarkable guy with a whole lot of information. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty cool to have him around. Visual effects supervisor Jay Red on the challenge of the series, and also on the tech advisor in the series. We also had uh, Michael and Denise Okuda, yeah. known as the, the Okudas, who yep. were with us uh, often behind the scenes, but also on set constantly, making sure that people were pushing the right buttons and the sequences of events were happening because, again, trying to stay in, in reality on some level, but also helping tell a dramatic story. And, you know, they've they've been around for a while and have come from star trek shows and work with ron for quite a while and so they're not only designers they help come up with our graphs and designs for all the technical data on screens but they they know the sequence of operations and are full of technical information but also being able to interpret that into an artistic way and so we have great conversations with them and they're always there on set supporting us and reading scripts and sending notes and so we have a really great 
great group of people constantly learning from everybody <laughs> every day. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad we have those, that, those, that group because they just really? keep, they keep us honest. I mean, sometimes they get us to the point, like we were talking about just the other day about where's the sun is supposed to be in this thing. And they'll tell you mm-hmm. where the sun is supposed to be. Well, we'll say, well, you we don't really want the sun to be there. We break stuff. So we're going to, we're going to, sometimes a, a quote, I don't think anybody I learned. <laughs> yeah, they, they may not know. I mean, sometimes this is a strange thing to say, but um, this is from a mentor of mine from 20 years ago who worked on Star Wars films is mm-hmm. sometimes reality can be boring. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. so we have to kind of interpret that into something right. dramatic, <laughs> interesting. Take creative license to, yeah. to make it. Yeah. Spacesuits and any kind of sci-fi show can be a hassle. Jill Owenson on those suits. Well, I, I have to I have to be honest and say that the the actual spacesuits from season one and two came from a third party vendor, um, Global Effects, and they are a specialist in spacesuits and actually send their techs along with the spacesuits. Cause when you put a spacesuit on, it's not like a regular costume. It's literally like the actor or the stunt person is putting on a machine because it's, it has to protect you from the elements. It also has to have a breathing apparatus. It has to have a cooling apparatus. So they're incredibly heavy, very stiff um, and hard to move around. And they break down a lot. So we, we constantly a had <laughs> a lot. So we constantly had um, techs from Global Effects working with us um, on set, getting them in and out of the suits and maintaining the suits as we went along. And we had a lot of switching out between the actors and stunts and also um, for visual effects for, for Jay, we were, we were changing um, uh, lenses and visors a lot. So that was very helpful. Um, but I think going into third season, there are new spacesuits being made. So that's going to be really interesting for, for everybody. Stephen McNutt, cinematographer and Jay Reed, visual effects supervisor, talked pandemic challenges with a comment from Jill Owenson. The pandemic didn't hit us until March. We were only two weeks away from finishing the uh, final episode of 10, which was the most climactic part. So. Uh, we were we were out of town, but other than that, coming back, we were one of the first on the lot. I think actually, weren't we the only people on the lot when we came back? Uh, all alone, we were wandering around, being tested every five minutes. I got tested five days a week, twice on Wednesdays, and uh, so we were trying to figure out how to work under those conditions, and and ultimately, it worked out pretty well. You know, you know it's you know, it's a pain, but it's uh, it's worth it. Yeah, I think it turned out well. I know I can speak to uh, the visual effects is that when we got shut down, when the pandemic hit in March, I guess, right, is when that happened. Well, all of our visual effects teams still had to continue producing work. And so what happened is a lot of the studios shut down and had to migrate their artists home, sending keyboards, monitors, figuring out a way to work remotely so that the show could keep going behind the scenes. And so visual effects has been a little bit ahead of the curve because people are working all over the world now and you don't even know where a studio is established. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes, you know, you've got Method Vancouver, Montreal, LA, New York, and we're working with them. So all of our artists became very virtual over the, over the pandemic. Um, so in addition to shooting, it was that kind of behind the scenes of migrating everybody into a new way of working and doing reviews. But uh, we only had a couple weeks of downtime with most of our teams and we kind of came roaring right back with amazing technology and support, support teams around, around the globe, really. Our biggest limitation is um, we work on a 
60 foot square soundstage uh, to mix the show. And you, you can't bring that home. Um, and there are, Vince has a really fantastic home studio. Uh, I have a moderately good home studio. Um, but we, we all kind of had to figure out uh, a new game plan. And um, it was definitely complex it's an atmos show it's not a 5-1 show so there's uh you know a lot more complexity to uh the sonic environment and the channels used and we really uh at at the time that we shut down uh we really could not have done this show uh, at home uh and it was good that the timing worked out that the last two episodes we were able to be back into the studio uh to do the show um, another show that we work on, Vince actually did have to finish at home. Um, and it was, uh, it definitely worked, but also definitely hard. I was also going to say that, that when we came back to finish, um, up those last episodes in the fall, it, it was definitely a whole different ball game as far as, you know, we had to make appointments to go to the rental houses. Only so many people were allowed, um, taking clothes out and returning them. And the whole dry cleaning situation was a huge, huge deal. And also already by that time, Amazon had gotten so, and not just Amazon, but all of the retail online stores were, were at least a week behind. So when we used to be able to get something like the next day or with, within a couple of days, we really had to think ahead if we needed to, to order anything online because it was all taking at least a week. There's more Sci-Fi Talk, so stay tuned. Back on Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Tony Tolato. Hi, Jill. Uh, I, I got to ask you, yes, you're kind of locked into a certain, actually different time periods, but... Was there room for you to kind of bring your own designs into it too? Because this is an alternate history. One of the things that Ron wanted the costumes to be able to do because we're an alternate reality and because a lot of the um, technology was changing is he chose, I think, certain things that he wanted to stay authentic and real in order to ground the project. And I, I, he definitely felt like he wanted to do that with costumes. And I felt like he did that with a lot of the... Um, Homes of the astronauts, you know, everything that we see out outside of NASA um, had a real strong organic grounding effect for the for the show. And um, so, yeah, that was that was really, really important to him. And and within that, though, I got to kind of create again, I, the choosing the color palettes was something that I was able to bring to the to the table and say, you know, let's really show the difference between these two worlds that that Ed Baldwin and, and Gordo Stevens come in and out of. So that was something I really got to have fun doing. And then second season, I got to des design um, a, lot of, a lot more uniforms as far as Jamestown and, and um, the, the different uh, shuttle missions. So that was also incredibly fun. And then of course, you know, I got to build the duct tape suits at the end, which for me is kind of the ultimate creative um, process and took a lot of people to do but we had a great time doing it so thank you i know you had a furrowed brow about that for a while yes what i was I gonna I, do with that? <laughs> well you know we just we we tested it just before we shut down and uh. so in a way it was actually really great because it allowed the manufacturer to to make you know 16 suits um, four for each of the actors and four for each of the stunt people. And so 
Uh, and then, you know, we had to age, we had to do those aging process. Each of the four had a different aging um, station throughout the, the scene. So we didn't have to, we didn't, we weren't going to have time to right. do it on stage on while we're filming the scene. So all day long while we were shooting that scene, the actors were switching and the stunt people were switching in and out of the different um, levels of aging on the suits. So it was quite, it was quite a hectic day. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Here's more sci-fi talk with Tony Tolado. Stephen McNutt on the look of the series. Basically, we wanted it to be a bit saturated. I'm going to go with Jill's uh, situation, too, because she was dealing with warm, warm tones and saturated tones, which is what we did as well. And it was all about the soft light. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy of the 60s, so I kind of knew what the 60s was. And... Um, we kind of played into that glowy, soft, illuminating thing. I, you know, we chose a certain type of lenses. The other, the other director of photography, Ross Berryman, is with me on this thing too, and we discussed this at length when we would we were discussing um, uh, lenses and choices of lenses, and we went with the Sony Venice camera. I wonder why we did that. Oh, <laughs> um, anyway, no, it's a great camera. It's one of the best. It's it's a huge, huge, outstanding camera, the Venice. And uh, so we went with the Cook S4s, which is a, well, the quality of the lens was soft, which I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, helped out and, you know, complemented all the things that we were doing. Uh, we were uh, looking at movies and doing our research to try to give it some form of a, you know, an ethereal type of 60s glow, which it was, was, you know, the, the, the day that was quite beautiful in that day. Moonlight. You know, all of those types of things played very permanently into our show. We wanted to get as much moonlight in as we could any time we could. Uh, we would play entire scenes, you know, moonlight. The rooms were off. It were flooded with moonlight. Uh, everywhere we could, we accented moonlight as just as a basic character on the moon. And when we were on the moon, when the sun, when we got out of the sun, we called it Earthlight. So the Earthlight came through. So it was all about, all about uh, the moon. That's what inspired us. Stephen McNutt and Jay Red on the moon shuttle sequences. Well, this was a kind of a combination be myself and uh, the magnificent Jay Red uh, that that we had to put together a lot of these things. Um, we had uh, Todd Schneider, our, uh, uh, our stunt coordinator. Uh, we shot uh, various things, and of course, Jay made it bigger and better. Um, we dealt with this off speed. That was one of the things that we dealt with. We had to find out what frame rate we liked uh, on the moon, and that turned out to be 32 frames per second, pretty much. Todd took care of the wire work, which then uh, allowed the people to move around in a very, you know, moon-like way. We didn't have that much room to move, so we drove it as far as we could, and then uh, we just uh, then Jay just continued it during. There, I don't. I did not shoot the 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 men on the on the on the um outside of the uh, rover. Did you? Uh, that was all CG, right? Yeah. So there's actually the the Marines. There's two. There's a couple of vehicles. We had the rovers, of course, which we actually we shot a combination of real live action of right. multi person rovers moving across, you know, 50, 70 feet. And then we had big aerial shots that were actually CG that were, you know, a combination of, of live action and CG. But then the, what well, we have the LSAM, which is actually flying across the surface of the moon with the Marines on the back. Yeah. We actually shot yeah, that's some with real Marines on close-ups. Yeah. When you see faces and you kind of pull back away, 
we're replacing the entire background. So it's, it's an illusion, right? As you're, you're filming with a crane and having people on the back of that thing and then pulling away, but we're replacing all of the background to make it look like you're traveling. So mm. it's a, it's a big illusion. When you see the stage photography, it looks kind of ridiculous actually, because you're just <laughs> photographing people standing on a platform. But then we also had a mixture of, of full CG um, Marines on the back of the LSM as well. So it was a, taking cues off Steven and Ross's lighting. And then we matched that in with our artists using computers to do the other ones. Yeah. We would often storyboard and then we would go into previs as well. Right. Which is kind of yeah. a rough, rough kind of video game style visualization of what we, and what we ultimately wanted the shots to be. It's amazing what they do. You know, we, I talked about it in another podcast, how so much of the digit doubles are used in all kinds of films these days. Stephen McNutt and Jay Red on simulating weightlessness, another challenge. We were on wires uh, and the ceiling would be taken off of the uh, vehicle and we would float them around. If they had to move and traverse a distance, um, we, we also used what we called, uh, well, it's kind of a teeter-totter, but what, what, what do we call that thing? I'm getting a parallelogram. The parallelogram, yeah, my goodness. Uh, the parallelogram, we use a parallelogram, which is kind of like a teeter-totter. So if they say it here, and we can move them up and down. We can move them up around. We can swing them and do that kind of stuff. So that was one way we did it. And when we did uh, 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 one of the initial capsule stuff, we turned the capsule upside sideways. Uh, and so this is Sergio Mikagazan's idea, which is brilliant. Uh, and he so put it sideways. And so we could put the parallelogram. So it looked like they were floating horizontally when we, um, when we shot it. And uh, all, there, that's the various things that we're up against. We're up against it right now in, in, the, in, in going when, when we're in space. But it's, it's, that's probably the biggest challenge that we do have is how do we maintain that? And uh, how do we make that feel good and in, in, in working? Because it's very time consuming. And, um, you know, but that's essentially the problem. And then floating objects, you know, I'll say I'll, if I take something in my hand, I may throw it to you and then it'll just fall off. And then Jay picks it up and makes it go the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and the, you know, actors, actually, there's a lot of work that they're doing too. So it's yeah, to so Stephen's point, like this, when you have, when they're moving yeah, around. exactly. They're, they're moving okay. slow. Instead of moving around like this, they may lower their hand down and kind of gesture slowly. So the actors have a lot of work to do in addition to cables, the, the parallelogram as Stephen mentioned. Um, and, you know, like we said before, running on the moon, 32 frames a second to create a 6G microgravity looks amazing. Plus Todd's stunts with a little bit of cable work, actor work, um, it all kind of, all the pieces come together. Yeah. We hope. We yeah. work. Special thanks to Apple TV+. Plus. Look for all the seasons or for all mankind on Apple TV+. Plus. Scene one, Apple take two.